this week on so- <coughs> Dude, how did you do that voice? <laughs> how did you do that voice that entire last episode? Uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of training. A lot of people don't know this, but I'm actually a uh, classically trained voice actor. Oh, you are the James Earl Jones of your time. Of course. Mm. Except Jewy and not at all talented. And with no acting credits to your name. None. In the voice acting world. None. Of course. And not good. That's it as well. <laughs> a very lame excuse for a Morty. A poor man's Justin Roiland. Some may say. I'd like to think Some so. Some may call you that. Th- that'd still be a compliment. I'll take it. It's like if you called me a poor man's William Shakespeare. If I, you know, if I was a playwright. Justin I'd be like, Roiland is Shakespeare. That's the, the equi- uh, their equivalent. On our, on I was saying poor man's William Shakespeare is more impressive than a poor man. Okay. You know, I would tend to agree just yeah. in terms of reputation. If I could write one play as good as Shakespeare's, mm. that'd be pretty cool. You got to write one for the, the fairies. You got to write one for Morpheus. And then you got to write. Let's do it. I'm stoked on Stan- Sandman at the moment. Yes. Just so everybody knows. I'm finally reading the whole series and I'm on the ninth track trade out of 10 and they're stellar right so i'm going to 10 10 recommend those people who don't know what sandman is you know google it and then you get, are get in through, for a ride just get through all of the yeah. metallica stuff and then yeah. you'll finally arrive at the weird yeah. comic written by neil but gaiman it's neil gaiman written uh in the 80s and 90s actually might have just been the 90s but i think it was 90s just 90, early 90s yeah but still early 90s essentially 80s. it's basically just the, the 80s, beginning yeah. of every decade it's just not, the same as like the last early one. 80s is 70s the, the 20 in the early 2020s there will still be flossing and dabbing and tiktok exactly it, it's not going to change mm-hmm. no not very much okay. not until about 2023 20, 24 yeah we'll start you know forming yeah. our new, you know the corporate overlords will Absolutely. start usurping the governments yes and then we'll, hopefully uh, yeah fingers yeah. crossed all goes well fingers crossed this one's for my corporate overlords <laughs> Zuckerberg thank you 2028 thank you for all you've given us another thing that's online that we have is a patreon right we do have a patreon by the way we didn't say this this is suck my fanfic your weekly fan fiction review podcast and sometimes we do very short skits which only take 30 minutes but as far as total production time go takes like more, more than 30 uh, minutes. it took way more than 30 a little minutes. more than 30 minutes yeah if you count writing the script which we actually did. That was all ad lib. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Oh yeah, no, we were flying uh, off the cuff. We have a very good improv troupe. Just so you guys know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, writing the script. So we, you know, we wrote the script based off of the story. Mm-hmm. Writing the script, recording it. Um, yeah, it took some time. I quit it took a I, lot of time. I quit my job. I didn't talk to my family for. I don't weeks. even have a job, so um, this is my job. Yeah, this fan fiction is my life at this point, mm-hmm. and that's why we have the Patreon because, you know. We figured if we're both unemployed and living on the streets, we might as well beg for money. Yeah. Why not do that online? Right. And until yeah. the Green New Deal passes, we're going to have to... Yeah. Uh... There's no universal basic income yet. But when it gets here... Hey, we'll just take the Patreon down. I'm keeping it up. I want to be one of those fat cats with extra money. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Rolling in the $200 yeah. <laughs> in a month. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Any hoozle, we do have a Patreon. Yes. And I just wanted to take the time real quick to explain why we started it and what we're going to do with your monies if you do decide to donate to us. So we started the Patreon because it may not seem like it, and I know we rag on ourselves, but we actually do put a lot of time into this. And we just wanted to make sure that we could at least get some help with some hosting hosting costs because those of you who don't know if you run a podcast 
and you're listening, then I'm sure you do know. But you actually have to pay to host. So if you donate to us, if you become one of our patrons, we're using that money for the show. Like, we're not going to go down to 7-Eleven and buy a soda pop once a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Unless just, we're doing another drunk episode, then that's for the show. Yeah, then that would get rolled into it, obviously. All the readers yeah. that we drink are yeah. for the show. And, and once we get enough patrons a month to cover the cost of the hosting, we're just going to roll the money into more stuff for the show. So we actually have pretty decent mics right now. But I don't know if you could tell from last episode, I really like to pop my peas and, you know, uh, what are those things even called? Wind covers? Yep, wind guards. Yeah, we need, we, we'd like to buy some wind guards for the past nine episodes now. Actually, this is going to be our 10th. Whoa. Wow. Big 10, dude. We're in double digits. Big decade. Wow. Oh, we're gonna be tweens soon. I'm oh, so excited. Man. I'm gonna rebel against. I'm gonna listen you to the Jonas so Brothers, hard. and I'm Ooh, gonna. You can do that now. I know. Coming back. Oh, I can't wait. Ugh. Anywho, uh, we yeah. For the the past few episodes, we have been sitting our mics on some books of mine. I think that's on brand. Though. I don't want to change. It is that. a little on yeah, brand. I want to keep but that. It would be nice to have the little like you know swinging arm oh, mic stands. Sure. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, that's a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah, so we're just going to roll it back in. We are using a digital audio mixer right now Mm -hmm. to put both of our mics into the computer. And, you know, we would like a physical one. Those things are nice. These are nice things that we would like to have. So if you like us, if you want the production value of the show to get better, uh, yeah, it'd just be nice. Be a patron, donate. I'll go over the tiers super quick because once you hear the first two, all the other ones are basically the same. So the first one for a dollar is a friend of the show. It's a dollar a month. You get access to the episodes about a week-ish early. Depends on how much time we're putting into the episode that week. And you get access to all the Patreon-exclusive reviews. And you may be saying, what's a Patreon-exclusive review? Ooh, what is a Patreon-exclusive review? What is a Patreon-exclusive review? So our next tier is the short fan-submitted review. It's $5 more per month. And with this tier, you have the ability, the opportunity to submit a fan, a piece of fanfic that is 5,000 words or less. And we're legally bound, not legally bound. We are bound by our word to review it. Yes. Yes. That 5,000 words or less. Then the next one is fan submitted, which is 10,000 and it's $10. The next one's $15 and it's 15,000 words. And we go, Fake. yeah, we go all the way up. I read like a hundred words a minute, man. I'm killing the Yeah. Game. And we go all the way up to the, okay, seriously, why are you doing this tier? Which is $30 or more per month. I made that limited because I don't think we can be reading full novels every month. Um, or at least multiple full novels every month. Mm-hmm. But there's, it's, okay, seriously, why are you doing this? Uh, it's three total. Three people can do that. Yeah. And it's, it's upon committing to this tier, we will review a fan-submitted piece of fan fiction that is 25,000 to 100,000 words per user per month, and we will post it as a Patreon exclusive. For $50 a month, Alex and I will travel to your location yes. and read a fan fiction to you, tuck you in, and send you off to sleep. We can do that in the form of a private YouTube video if that would make you happy. I'm going. Okay. Even if you don't want me to, yeah. I'm coming. But you have to pay for the ticket and lodging. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. fair. I'm, $50 on top of that, Yeah, and you pay for our travel expenses. Exactly. And I'll be there. I'll make you some milk and some cookies. And I, I, I tuck a mean – I've got a tight tuck. He does have a tight tuck. Very tight tuck. I will tuck. say that. It's uh, very burrito-like. Mm-hmm. But yes. not restrictive. No, not at all. It's It's – pretty amazing honestly it's it needs to be it needs to be experienced i have no idea how he developed these skills and i don't want to know i just want to be tucked yes i am not divulge my secrets so 
uh, Patreon exclusive review, it will either be in the audio format or written format. You know, if we do end up getting a lot of patrons, wow, that Good would be awesome. That's a great problem to have, but it would be pretty hard to do, uh, you know, an audio review of a hundred stories. Not that, you know, I'm just saying something crazy, but a mm-hmm. hundred stories a month. hundred years, hundred years, hundred stories. Yeah. Uh, that would be like every weekend we're just reading and reviewing fanfic, which I don't do anything else on the weekends. <laughs> I literally have nothing else going on. Anyway, yeah. um, It'd be nice to be a little more targeted than aimlessly wandering archive of our own. That's very true. So yes, we just wanted to go over that real quick. For our one patron, I told him I was going to shout him out because shout him he's out. awesome. Uh, we have one patron. It's uh, our boy Henry. Henry. From not, over, not Henry. Not Henry Cavill. Or Henry here. It might be Henry Cavill. Whoa. Whoa. This is another Henry. A really He's cool Henry. He's also British. Like, yeah. Ooh. From the UK. Um, I don't have a British accent. To do <laughs> <laughs> I apologize if you are Irish, but I'm almost certain you're British. Anyways. From the UK, and he's one of the guys from the Firestarters podcast. We're going to link them. They are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually do a podcast, which is really interesting. As we all know, I'm a history buff. Firestarters comes from Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. The greatest song, the most important song ever written. Ever written. Mm-hmm. And you know how he has the little, you know, Richard Nixon's Studebaker, Marilyn Exactly. Yeah. They've done a Studebaker episode. They've done a Doris Day episode. And so they do very brief, in relative terms to ours, uh, episodes where they will explore the history of one of the things listed. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. It, it lends itself to a lot, and I think there's a lot there. So Henry, our boy, was our first patron. Shout out to Henry. Shout out. You are the best, my guy. Thank you. Thank you, sincerely. Thank you, like, Governor. Really Thank you, Governor. Pip, pip, cheerio. Wow, that's bad. Yep, we can cut that out. Anyway, opening topic of conversation. You ready? I'm hyped. I'm pretty hyped. Let's hear it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play a snippet of an interview okay. with George R. R. Martin. Uh-huh. I will play it, then we'll talk about George R. R. Martin. We'll you know George R. R. Martin grew up in Long Island. Uh, I thought New Jersey. He's from New Jersey. He was born there. Oh, it was it was New Jersey, and yeah. he could see Long Island yeah. from where he lived, much like me. And he uh, that's what Game of Thrones was like, kind of his wandering, his like mental wanderings. He was like, I wonder what Long Island. Wow. Was. And he got it mostly right with all the sodomy and murders. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Shout the dragons. Long Island. Yeah. And the dragons. Uh, but I'll, I'll play the clip, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. How's that? Mm-hmm. What do you think about the ones that are not officially licensed? Again, like the fan appropriations and fan art, fan stories, fan rewriting. I've, I've long been an opponent of fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I th- I th- and let me define fan fiction very precisely here, because sometimes I get criticized by people saying, you wrote fan fiction when you were young, and now you criticize it. How dare you? I wrote what we called fan fiction in the 60s in comic fandom, but that was simply fiction written by fans right. and, and published without any money. Uh, and I certainly did a lot of that, but I never borrowed anybody else's character or world. I, I invented, I didn't, you know, I was a comic fan. I didn't write about Spider-Man or Superman or Batman. I, I created my own heroes, uh, you know, and wrote about them. The White Raider and Manta Ray and Garazan the Mechanical Warrior and all that stuff I was writing when I was 14 and 15. But they were my own characters and my own stories. What fan fiction has come to mean is writing Star Wars stories or writing Star Trek stories or, or writing, you know, slash fiction, which is, uh, you know, taking, taking characters and putting them together in, in unlikely sexual situations. Uh, uh, 
And, you know, I don't, I don't you know, what I don't know doesn't hurt me, so I, if, if people want to do that, fine, but don't, don't send it to me and expect me to prove it or something. Now, fan art, that's, that's fine, that's a whole, whole other thing. Um, fan art is great, and people do send me links to that all the time. Uh, some of this you just have to, what you want to do for your own amusement is great, yeah. but you can't start selling it on eBay or, or merchandising it, because yeah. then it, you'll get sued, if not by me, you'll get sued by one of my multiple makers of bobblehead dolls or, or figurines, <laughs> because you'll be moving into John one of the Snow, areas right. that they're paying me good money to, uh, to be into. Right. So. And Tom, did you have a quick follow-up to that about what it means for the publishing industry now that, again, texts circulate beyond the actual books that you're selling? Well, I basically agree with George that his ideas are his ideas. Somebody, you know, his characters are his characters. Uh, for us, it doesn't have much effect because none of it is very powerful. Some of it creates good publicity and some of it is annoying, but frankly, we don't pay a whole heck of a lot of attention to it. Okay, so right off the bat, what did you think about that? Um, first of all, I think your George R.R. R. Martin impression is stellar. He, he coughs so much yeah. in interviews and clears his throat all the time. I think it's stellar. Um, you watch one George R. Martin interview on YouTube, and then YouTube thinks you want to watch nothing but that. I think just like thinking well, what, what, kind of what he said overall, he does like, you know, he bashes it, and he, he kind of has this superiority complex. He's like, you know, when I was a kid... I was right, my own. I was already creating these worlds, and it's like, yeah, George, you're really good at it. Yeah, you're, you're one of you the most paid famous. Millions to do it. You are the, one of the most famous authors of all time. Like, yeah, yeah, you, you're going to be good at it as a kid. I I saw this other interview with he and Stephen King. Yeah, which, that's a pretty famous interview. Mm-hmm. But at one point in it, they're talking about how hard it is to write in general. And Stephen King gave this anecdote about how he was doing something with J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. And she was getting pulled in all these directions. And then she just kind of turned to him and said, do they not understand how hard this is? And for someone who's a great writer, it's still difficult, but you're going to be good at it. Right. For someone who's not a good writer, it's going to be the hardest thing you ever do, and you're not going to be good at it. Exactly. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. And, and, some, and you know, yeah. again, he goes on to you know, create your characters. Like People are just writing Star Wars stories. These stories are already written. And, I, and at the end, he kind of talks about, well, you know— I don't really pay too much attention to it. Fan art is fine. You know, these people, the yeah. problem I have is when people sell it. But he knew a lot about it. He did. He mentioned <laughs> Slash, and you need to watch it because he steeples his fingers. Yeah. And he's like, interesting sexual situations. Yeah. But um, How I mean, many interesting sexual situations have you put people in, George? <laughs> exactly. Compromising And, and he mentioned things about, it's funny to have two gay characters. Like, how many, Ew. How many times have you done that, he's George? But he, he does kind of renag a little bit like oh you know if you're selling it like that's the problem like we're gonna have to sue you because i think when he's talking he's realizing wow what i'm saying is like people shouldn't be creating stories regardless of the characters in the setting yeah and again he's speaking to like the fan fiction that you think of like i read this good quote um from an article it's like like, 95 percent of everything is crap yeah 95 percent of everything everything people music Mm-hmm. TV, movies, everything, movies, everything, exactly, and that applies. That applies to fan fiction too. Yeah. So he's a talking to just all. Like if I said movies are garbage, by and large, I'd be correct. But St- statistically speaking, yeah. you're right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'd say everything is terrible. Yeah, that's a very pessimistic outlook. Whatever. Yeah. But you know, what he's not thinking about is the people who write these fan fictions who actually have you know creative ideas and narratives. Yes, and the ones who I, I think. There, there's a difference between fan fiction, mm-hmm. 
which is basic and simple and a transformative work of fan fiction Mm -hmm. where you're taking these characters or you're taking this world that George R. Martin has created and you're you're doing something more with it. You're Mm -hmm. not just having Daenerys and Jon go shop for curtains. You're creating something different. Right. You're putting something else in there. Or you took like a one-off character that was mentioned once, like, what is it, uh, Henry from Battle Royale in the Arthur fanfic? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, the moose. The moose. You take someone like that, and then you do up this entire backstory. You talk about all these other things. You give them other motives. George. 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 George George the moose. George R. R. Lundgren. That's his last name. But here was was one thing I kind of wanted to talk about with this clip so when you get really deep into historical and historiographical fiction or um theory Mm -hmm. historical theory one of the things they kind of tell you is you need to reprogram your brain when you're thinking about history so that's that that's that article you sent yeah yeah i sent it to you didn't understand any of it but it was super stimulating it's super yeah it's very dense though and one of the things they kind of explain is whenever you've learned history, you've likely read it in a book. And if, especially if it was in school, it was a history textbook. Mm-hmm. And so history textbooks have this really bad bias that they call the word of uh, word of God, mouth of God, where when you read it. What you, that mouth do. What that mouth. Uh, that's, that's a little sacrilegious if I keep going with that comment. Anyways, right. basically what you read in these these textbooks, you take as the word of God. You read in the textbook. It's written in a perspective that says this is what happened this is what happened this is what happened this is what happened and you're not supposed to argue because that's what the textbook says and that's fine if you're looking for a basic understanding you're looking for the cliff notes version totally cool but when you get pretty deep into historical theory historiography you kind of start to learn that history is just a bunch of stories that we're telling ourselves and we are telling ourselves that they're true and likely the story that we have on something might not be 100% accurate, especially the farther back you go. So if we're talking about what happened two years ago, we'll probably be pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about something that happened 200 years ago, right. we're going to be way less accurate. Yeah. If we're talking about something that happened 2,000 years ago, we're going to be back to being accurate again. Basically, because yeah. we're that, no. Um, it's it's going to be pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be an interesting idea. And so if history is just a series of stories that we're telling ourselves that may or may not be true all the way, what makes a story in history different than a story that you create, right? So just follow me there. George R.R. R. Martin has said multiple times that not only has he based most of these novels off of history, he's listed the specific events. War of Roses. Exactly. So isn't he basically just writing fanfic about War of the Roses? With dragons. With dragons. It's a, it's a crossover yeah, it's with a, cross. a fantasy world. He's adding some stuff to it. But what makes that any different? You are taking a story that did happen, but we might not know all the details. We, we might not know the right details, the right but sequence Alex, of events, Alex, whatever. Alex, Alex, the characters' names are different. Oh, you're right. They're, the, they're similar, it. but the names are different. Names are different. Manta Ray. Isn't there a Manta Ray superhero or something? Uh, Yeah, that's... Uh, Black Manta. That's Black Manta's dad, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Just saying. But it's different because of the names, Alex. Yeah, exactly. And the dragons. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you get what I'm saying? I was, yeah, I understand what so you're saying. So if, if he's sitting here arguing that the story isn't valid because of whatever, mm-hmm. you're just writing fan fiction about history, bro. <laughs> and, like, that's totally cool. I love history. Right. But what makes yours superior? Because mm-hmm. you're basing it off of something real. I mean, I mean and, and what's the difference between being influenced by something mm-hmm. and writing the fan fiction about it? So if I wrote a, a, a 
hundred thousand word Game of Thrones fan fiction, mm-hmm. then changed all the names. Is it different? If I wrote a hundred thousand word Twilight fan fiction and changed the names, should I get a hundred million dollars? Yeah, should I have three movies and a hundred million dollars and all my books have herpes on them? Should I? Should I? Should I? <laughs> I think you should, and I think um, yes. And I, it's it's just a little you know a little disappointing because I think you know George is effectively kind of dissuading people from from creating, which is you know it's just it's a little upsetting. Yeah. There's something pretty in- inherent to the human spirit about creating mm-hmm. or telling stories, and when you're, I don't think he was discouraging people, but he was he, saying he didn't like right. it. The thing, the thing that I will give him though is I get what he's saying. He's so he's so focused on you know creativity and, and, and being individual that he wants people to make new stuff. Like I get that. Yeah, I totally get that. You don't get anything new if you don't have influences. Mm-hmm. So like Star Wars. Japanese samurai movies for George Lucas, mm-hmm. Flash Gordon, and Dune. Boom. Right there. Boom. All he was so influenced by these things. He wanted to make a movie. And Joseph Campbell's The, uh, the Hero's Journey. Oh, yeah. that, that's mean, not that's, a story. Yeah. That's a uh, that's generic story yeah. arc, archetype sort of thing. Uh, story structure, yeah. plot, whatever. So, I mean, I get what he's saying, but I think he also needs, like, whenever someone tells a story, if they put their own creativity into it, I mean, that's something else. Like, I don't, I mean, I have a job. I don't have time to think of all these worlds and everything. If there's a world that I can go ahead and play, like a sandbox, I've got my toys, open up the chest and play with, like, I mean, that's just easier for, it's more exactly. accessible. And, and think about it with, like, a, a painter or a, 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 a comic book artist. How about this? No comic book artist will tell you, oh, yeah, I started just by drawing my own characters, and look at how great they are. Mm-hmm. Like, they're a professional level. No. Every single comic book artist that has ever existed Ooh, will Spider-Man, say they drew Superman, something else before it. Yeah. If you look at Alex Ross, mm-hmm. uh, who's my favorite comic book artist, he's a hyper-realist. He uh, wrote and drew Kingdom Come, which is one of DC's best graphic novels. Oh, he's, yeah, that's oils. It's all oil painting, right? Uh, it's gauche. Okay. Oh, gauche. It's, it's gauche. Yeah. It's incredible. But, yeah, it's, I think it's yeah, gauche. But it is gauche. He does great, great work, and he loves to show the the first drawing he ever did of the Incredible Hulk, and it's when he was seven. And then progressing through time, you can see just how different, how great he's gotten. Mm-hmm. You don't start creating these amazing worlds. You have to start somewhere. You have to be influenced by things. Mm-hmm. If you're a, an artist... Is it bad that Alex Ross started drawing these things? I don't think so. I guess in George R. Martin's opinion, it'd be bad if he made money from drawing them. And that yes. was kind of my question. Yeah. Is money the issue with the intellectual properties? I, well, I mean, that, of course, the almighty dollar. That's yeah. what it comes Especially once you get to something. Yeah. Like Game of Thrones, when he was starting out, he was probably like, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But now that it's reached this height where yeah. it's such a powerful brand, that makes sense. And I think that's where he lands. And it, it seems kind of like an attack question where it's like, George R. R. Martin, you hate fan fiction, right? And he's like, oh, well, you're, you're. but yeah. at the end of it, he comes around to, you know, honestly, he doesn't care. Yeah. As long as, and that's that's fine. Like we talked about, some some creators really engage with their their fan bases. Mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin, that is not him. That's, that's fine. And that's his brand. Like he'll yeah. kill off your character. He doesn't care. Yeah. So it's fine to be above it, but you know, I understand, and he's a very valid point. It's as long as you're not making money explicitly off his copyrighted characters. Yeah. And so I thought that lent to the interesting question of what's the difference between paying someone for a fanfic. Or donating to an author monthly because they're a good an author. Mm. It's kind of like um, you go back to the Renaissance era. Are you commissioning a painting yeah. or are you, are you sponsoring, you sponsoring an, an artist? artist? And that's sort of... That's the exact that's the exact parallel I want to draw between today's fan fiction writers and the Renaissance uh, painters. And yeah, <laughs> they're the exact same it thing. Is, it's the same. Yeah. 
We're in a renaissance. We're looking right now. for Da Vinci currently, but we'll find we'll find you, whoever you are. Exactly. I think I have an idea of who it might be, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to we'll that. We'll see. One. I don't have an answer to that question, by the way, in terms of, like, are you paying for something or are you just sponsoring yeah. someone? Yeah, and I mean, that's that's sort of the thing with us and our Patreon. So are you paying for individual episodes where we may be using someone else's created work about mm-hmm. someone else's created work? Or are you paying us because – or donating to us, I'm sorry. Are you donating to us because you like what we do, you like who we are as persons, you like our personalities mm-hmm. – and that's what you're donating to. God, I hope it's the latter. Yeah. Because that's a lot easier to defend in court. Exactly. And so, that, but I'm saying, objectively speaking, out of context, you're paying somebody. Yep. That's it. Money's changing hands. Money is exchanging and ideas or goods are exchanging. Yep. Boom. The objectively speaking. Being performed. I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting question of George R. R. Martin thinks there's an issue in money's exchanged. What would he feel about some sort of subscription-based donation platform on the internet? I'm going to say he wouldn't care for it. You don't think so? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think – just based off that interview right there. Mm -hmm. um, Because he's – I mean, guy's, you know, getting up there. He's got a huge market. He probably just wants to protect his brand because he he knows, you know, what's going to happen when I'm gone. And one thing he he mentioned in that interview is these he, characters he spent so much time with, yeah. you know, and that's that's his right. I mean, and he, he talks about the characters like they're real. About how, you know he's developed this relationship. It's his right to do yeah. with them what he pleases. Oh, and absolutely, protect them as he sees fit. Yeah. One of the things he says in the interview is he talks about writing them, writing the fan fiction for entertainment. And so I had the question: We can, uh, you know, we've read a lot of fanfic for the show. Ryan's read way more than any human being probably ever should, uh-huh. just in his in his life. I haven't slept in days. Yes. But is fan fiction or should it be written for entertainment or is it written for expression? When you write fan fiction, are you expressing yourself? Are you expressing something or are you writing to be entertaining? For a good example, I feel like National Treasure 3, though I loved it, Mm -hmm. was for entertainment. I think that was purely entertainment for entertainment's sake. It was funny. It was interesting. There were action scenes. There were all these cool characters. It was was a crack fic. It was fun. It was entertaining. Are you asking me? I don't think there should be one reason you write fan fiction. It's almost like I'm not going to tell you how to create something. Yeah, you know, you if you have some a story you want to tell, go tell it. If you just want to make something funny and cut up with your friends, go ahead and do that. Absolutely, and that that, that kind of lends itself to why are you writing Game of Thrones? Are you expressing yourself by doing this, George? Or are you entertaining people? Yeah. So it's it seems a little hard for him to be judgy about. Oh, if you're just writing this for entertainment's sake, it's like, well, why are you writing yours? Mm-hmm. What are you expressing about yourself? When you write about dragons flying over and killing zombies or White Walkers, whatever they are, like what are you? What are you expressing? What's yeah. the expression there? And are you? Difference. I mean, he's, he's yeah. not. There's no parallel here. It's not like you know, global warming. Yeah, no, no. You're not expressing anything. You're just telling a cool story yeah. based in history. I'm down for. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. Another th- another question. I I took notes this episode. Like I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really care for you guys. And that, that going that extra mile. Exactly. Yeah, you got a lot of words. That's more words than George R. R. Martin has, has written, written in like three yeah, months. Three, no, three years. Three years? Yeah. I'm sure he wrote a couple words like a couple, around the new year. He's like, my new year's resolution is to finish this yeah. book. And he sat down January <laughs> to finish 1. this book and hit the gym. And his gym <laughs> membership has been used in well, two months. Okay, okay. We're not going to body shame George I'm not body shaming. I'm saying that's what everybody does. <laughs> yeah, I did true. that. That's true. I did that Yeah, too. everybody does it. I'm going to go to the gym more. And then you like, you know, you go once or twice and like, whew. I probably lost 10 pounds. Yep. And you get back and you're like, oh, how did I gain two? I'm not doing this. This is dumb. I'm gaining weight. Yep. That was my opening topic of conversation. Went way longer than I anticipated. Yeah, it, and right. I apologize. That's all good. Um, 
Um, I picked a Game of Thrones fan fiction for this week. Yeah, so this is a bit of a long one, but I've, I've picked out the excerpts that I wanted. Perfect. And um, we're going we're gonna to get through it. Let's just get it. Um, so the first chapter begins... Um, Wait, what's it called? I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> um, the first chapter begins... Um, in season one, um, Arya, which is one of the characters, mm-hmm. is training um, to learn how to sword fight with a guy yep. named Sirio. And in, in this one scene when things start turning bad for the Starks, um, all of them start getting arrested and yeah. killed and whatever. And they show up to her practice, so these guards. Mm-hmm. And um, she runs away and she Sirio like holds run them under off. The, the, she runs under the, build, or the, under the castle, Yeah, right? she gets out. Yeah. And... Um, now, everyone's always wondered what happened to Sirio. Where did he go? What happened mm. to Sirio? Let's find out. Oh, nice. I, okay, before we start, I just want to say I'm I am caught up up to season one. I watched season one of Game of Thrones. That's all. That's all you need. I didn't hate it. I thought it was good. Uh, very interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel I have a little FOMO now that the new trailer dropped for season eight. You can catch up, buddy. I come haven't... come over. I got them all. You really? Yeah. You have what do you have them like? I have them all on, on HBO. Yeah, HBO, I, oh, yeah. Okay. I've got I HBO. Saying, you have like I've got the books too. You really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, dude. Not Winds of Winter though. Triggered. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so quote: Sirio Forel, the first sword of Bravos, clenched his teeth as one of the Lannister soldiers managed to land another blow. It was only a graze across his back, but they were beginning to add up. He spun around and slapped the Lannister slapped the Lannister soldier across the helm with what remained of the blade, which is his practice sword. So he's fighting off like four guards with a wooden sword. Um, nice. And things are not looking good for him. So here we go. It was too late for him to do anything but block the first strike, and the man simply barreled into him. Things are looking rough. Um, they're they're closing in on him. So Sirio is in trouble. Um, all of a sudden, we hear a voice. And it's Sirio, and his eyes widen. And Marin Trant, which is the leader of the guards that have come to stop him, okay. And Trant stopped his assault to look towards the new arrival. Arya Stark had returned with her own uh, sword drawn. Sirio is upset. He's saying, like, get out of here. Like, you shouldn't be here. I'm, I'm trying to buy time for you to escape. Yeah. And she says, what do we say to the god of death? Arya asked. And then he says, it doesn't matter. But the quota is not today. It says not today. She charges at Trant. Trant manhandles her. Mm-hmm. And she manages to escape. He backs out of the room. And they're about to give chase when, suddenly, the beginning of a song no one had heard before starts up. Some string instruments seem to be playing, but none of them have heard it before. Whatever it was, though, they found themselves nodding their heads to it. Some otherworldly force making excitement stir within them. I'm really scared. I'm Arya so comes scared. back, guiding a man who is dressed in the strangest attire anyone, including Sirio, who has traveled the world, had seen. Don't tell me it's the, Beeble, the he, Beatles. He had a confused look on his face, even as he let Arya guide him into the room. She was frantic in her efforts to bring him into the room, though, and he followed her out. Of what would draw, he wanted to see what, why she was so urgent. Arya wasted no time, um, pointed them and said, them, they've hurt me and my friends. So the guy rips his shirt off. And, and, and the Lannister soldiers are just stunned by his physique. They say, I don't under. The soldiers never got to finish because they collide with him. He knocks him down. The force of this collision has such an re- unrelenting force that spend, spin, sends the man spinning head over heel in the air and then crouching on the ground face first. He tries to get back up when suddenly the guy just stamps on him. So we have this beautiful image 
of Hulk Hogan placing a triumphant foot oh, yeah, on the brother's back. And he gives a huge flash of what the author calls his 24-inch pythons, which is his biceps. It's Hulkamania, brother. Yeah, causing a strong wind to whip around the Lannister soldiers, and they have to like shield their eyes from this glorious thing. And so this story is called Westeros Mania. I swear to God, if Macho Man Randy Savage in this, I'm going to shit myself. There's three, there's three <laughs> chapters. This is the first chapter. It's called Hulk House of Hogan. Oh, yes. Okay. And then they, have, they also have this spliced in where it's like announcers that are announcing the action. So they say like, by the seven, did you see that? Did you see that? He almost took his head off. This is so good. Yep. And then all the guards. Well, you got something to say? I, I was going to say, when you started describing all the wrestling things, mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be Andre the Giant. Oh, that'd be cool. And I thought it was going to be a Princess Bride Ooh, crossover. crossover and I actually got pretty excited, but this might be better. Not there. No, brother. All right. Oh, no, brother. They say, we're not ready. We're not ready. And then Marin Trans like, I'll show you guys ready. Like, I'm, I'm going to take this guy on. Yeah. Um, the soldier didn't even have time to react before his face met the bottom of Hogan's raised boot. He joined his compatriot on the floor after he had just, you know, released himself. He says, that's no way to talk to this little Hulk maniac, brother. I can't let that slide. Which sounds exactly like my Rick, by the way. I was about to say, is that Rick or Hulk Hogan? <laughs> he says, uh, the Marin Trent keeps, like, cursing at him. And he's, like, telling him, like, like watch your mouth, brother. Because Hulk Hogan's a family man. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. So the Lannisters, he's like over outnumbered. These guys keep running at him. It's probably like five people there. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan threw rights and lefts at him, each one knocking a soldier to the ground. He grabbed one soldier by the top of his helmeted head and brought his fist back slowly, measuring the punch for maximum oh, power. Yes. As everyone looked on powerlessly to do anything under his sheer aura. Yes. Hogan launched his fist forward with all the power his 24-inch pythons could offer, and the Lannister soldier went soaring over the floor, the balcony, out out of the room and into the city below. Nice. So he just nails this dude. He had to um, measure the punch. He did with his massive, massive guns. Um, Hogan lay, laid out other Lannister soldiers easily, and some seemed to fall without him even touching them. Sheer power of his aura, he put out being enough to send them to the ground. Then finally, there was only himself and Marin Trant. Marin Trant's like this decorated, like, yeah, uh, you know, white cloak, Queensguard kind of deal, Kingsguard. Um, Arya helps Syria over the steps, so they're kind of moving out of the way of this like this mayhem that's happening, this 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 brawl, if you will. He says, "What is some filthy bastard like you even doing here?" He said, "I told you to watch your mouth, brother, brother." And then he says, "Or what?" You know, he's really defined. He's trying to get under his skin. He said, and then then I was just like, "I'm not sure what Trant's trying to do here." Like they're just, <laughs> they're chirping in this whole time. He says, "I'm yes. warning you one last time, brother." They slowly circle each other, waiting for the other to strike. Sir Marin was the first to move. He came out with Hogan, um, trying to cleave his head off. Um, he's like, the guy doesn't wear any armor, not even Dornish leather. He's just decked out in his, like, fancy... In his beautiful, beautiful locks. Beautiful locks. Golden locks. Yep. Um, Hogan dodged to the right far too quick than a man of his size should have been able to. Trant stopped his, short, his sword before it hit the floor and brought it towards Hogan's side, trying to cleave him um, to upper and lower halves. Hogan stepped back to dodge the attack, and the wild look came in his eyes again. He looked... Oh, no. <laughs> the look that had frozen him a while back. This time, it didn't freeze Marin Tran. He moved forward with his sword, trying to impale Hogan. Hogan dodges again. So they're try, he's trying to get him. He's trying to grapple him, but Hogan's a very slippery guy. You know, He's using his agility. Oiled up. He's, he's, he's the 80s. He's oiled. His pecs are just shimmering oh, in, the, in, yes. the, in the evening sun. Yes. He says, what the hell are you? 
I tell you what I am, brother. I'm who this little Hulk maniac came to find when you attacked her friend. I can't turn a little Hulk maniac away, brother. And then he says, what, you're a, you're a mercenary? I'll, I'll pay you. Like, we'll, 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 we'll try to get you on our side. He says, no, brother, I'm Hulk Hogan. And there's no way I'm going to let you get away with what you've done, brother. I can hear all the Hulk maniacs calling out to me. All the little dudes and dudettes want me to beat you, brother. I won't let them down. So he's, he's, he's fighting for all of us right now. I hope you know my interest is at 120% <laughs> right now. We're, we're, we're see where it goes. So Marin Trant, knowing he cannot beat the Hulk, sir. He Of course not. He grabs Arya and puts a knife to her throat. This is his only hope. Oh no. And the announcers are saying, Look, it's that trans dirty trick. Just look at it. Oh, you can't win the fight. It's all dirty, whatever. And he says, Let her go. Let her go. And he's like, I'll let her go if you let me, you know, if you let me escape. And then he says he just says, Let her go. Hulk Hogan makes no compromises. Oh. We don't compromise the terrorists. Mm-hmm. Oh, he said no. Trant had won. He could feel his future was literally in his hands, and he was happy at what was to come for him. All of that shattered when he felt a pain in his arm. Um, so Arya has her trusty sword needle, yeah. and she stabs him in the arm and uses it to get away. So now Marin Trant is standing there with no hostage. Nice. Nothing between him and Hulk Hogan. And a Hulk slam. That's right. Um, so Hulk Hogan's head turned to look at him. His shaking stopped as he raised one arm into the air with a single finger outstretched. His body straightened, and he seemed to suck in a massive breath, a breath that stole all the noise from the room. Oh, man. Dead silence would precede his announcement. Hogan's hand reached its apex, and Trant could only look on dumbfounded. He couldn't move. He should be trying to tear through the Stark Guards and make for the Queen. He couldn't move. His feet wouldn't obey him. His lungs seemed like they had forgotten how to breathe. Hogan had stolen his breath from him with his own. Yes! Sirio had stolen his future. He had been robbed of everything. His eyes went to Hogan's outstretched finger, and he saw it as a harbinger of doom. The finger shook in the sky, and all the power of a storm as he stared at it. The end all. Be all. Armies would tremble at the sight of this finger, and he only found himself... He found himself not only trembling... Oh, he found himself not trembling, I'm sorry, because his fear had paralyzed him. Hogan brought the finger down and all was silent for less than a second as the impact of what had just been done was observed by all. Everything stopped, but Hogan, as his voice exploded into the silence with a single word, You! The yes. heavens opened, oceans drained away, mountains split asunder, and Trant felt like he was already dead when Trant's Hogan dead. shouted the oh, word. Oh, man. So he's, he realizes that he's done, and he just starts, he's going to grapple, he's going to fight dirty, he's going to fight for his life. What he does is, um, let me make sure I get this right, um, he's running at Hogan, Hogan grabs him and lifts him into the air, so we got our finisher move about to happen. Yes! Hogan looks to Arya for approval on whether or not he should follow through with his move. Arya just smiles and nods and gives a thumbs up, Yes. Um, and he throws him down, and then he runs away, and he hits the uh, the ropes, and he comes <laughs> flying back. And then he looks at it, he drops on him, and then he gets back up, and he looks at Arya, and she says, you know, thumbs up, ready to go. And then, quote, Hogan delivered the leg drop to Trant, and saw as the force from the move rushed through the man. Hogan's leg kept Trant in place so that he didn't move, but they all felt the power of the leg drop. And they say, he hit him with the leg drop! He hit him with the leg drop! By the gods, it's over! It's over! And he just KOs Marin Trant. Nice. I'd like to think he's just destroying the castle with his sheer aura. Mountains were split asunder by his force. So Trant is done. And he goes back and he makes sure Arya is okay. He makes sure Sirius is okay. Well, of course. She's a little Hulkamaniac. Hulkamaniac. And she's like, hey, you know, I'm really worried about my dad. Because my dad's in a predicament right now. (gasps) 
And don't he tell says, me. Well, then let's go and help him. And Hogan didn't wait for anything more as he strode out of the room with Arya on his shoulder and the rest of the, the good guards following mm-hmm. him. Hope Mania's running wild, brother! Hogan threw his head back and shouted when a group of Lannister soldiers came into view. So he sees the next soldiers. And then the rest of the guards say, Hulk Mania's running wild, and they charge in, and that's the end of the chapter. That was a beautiful chapter. <laughs> so this is all presented. This, that's the end of that saga of Hulk Hogan. So we move around to okay. other parts of the kingdom. Other parts of the kingdom, exactly. other wrestlers. Other hopefully. times and everything, yeah. Okay. So how are you feeling now about Hulk Mania meets Game of Thrones? I'm pretty stoked on it. I'm not going to lie. I did not see this coming. <laughs> I, I think this is great. little off-topic. But my favorite Hulk Hogan fact, would you like to know what it is? Uh, okay. Hulk Hogan has a store in Orlando, Florida mm-hmm. called the Hulk Hogan Surf Shop. and Like Ron John Surf Shop. Yes. But Hulk for, Hogan. Uh, Orlando is nowhere near a beach <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> but there is the Hulk Hogan Surf Shop. Mm-hmm. And at any given point during the day you can drive by it and there will be someone standing outside in you know those like halloween foam muscle suits <laughs> yes, yes it's one of those for hulk hogan and a blonde wig <laughs> and they're holding a sign for it and it's one of the greatest things <laughs> i've ever seen oh my god and i i'm not <laughs> one time i drove by and i saw this black dude doing it mm-hmm but the foam suit's white, <laughs> yeah. and the hair is blonde. Yeah. So you really <laughs> just, you just saw this yeah. like this dude's face sticking out of this uh-huh. costume, mm-hmm. and I don't know why he must have been listening to like some death metal because he was just like he was slamming the yeah. hair, and it was he was like shredding on the sign like it was a guitar, <laughs> and it was just one of the coolest things I've ever that seen is. in Orlando. Like <laughs> and that, like that's like when you see something you're like, damn, that's the coolest thing I'm ever gonna see in my life. Yeah, yeah, nothing's gonna top that. Dang that was it. so cool. That's awesome. So that's a pretty good coolest thing ever to have seen. Exactly. I wonder so, what that guy's up to right now. I hope he's doing the same. I hope exact he's still thing. there. I hope he's God. happy. And he's. I there. feel bad for those guys in the summer when it's like ninety degrees and like a hundred and thirty percent humidity. Mm-hmm. But wow, like yeah. So if you go to Orlando, make sure you visit the Hulk Hogan Surf Shop. Forget Disney; it's too Hulk. expensive. Don't stay in one of their yeah. hotels. Make no. a beeline for the Hulk Hogan Surf Shop. Get in line because there's going to be a long one. Yes. Get Th- in there. Thank Get you in for the sponsorship. All right, all my little Hulk maniacs. You ready for chapter two? If this is a Macho Man Randy Savage chapter, I'm going to shit myself. Here we go. Chapter two. Um, so this takes place in season four, which you haven't gotten to yet. Mm-mm. But um, essentially, Tyrion, you know who Tyrion is? Yep. He is under um, trial for having killed the king, King okay. Joffrey. Um, so he demands a trial by combat, which means... You pretty much fight, and then whoever yeah. wins is... That's in season one. Yeah. Yeah, so th- th- that's also... So you know about that. Um, and he's he's obviously not fit to fight because the mountain is the other fighter. The mountain yeah. being this very intimidating... You're not going to beat the mountain. No, oh, I, know, beat the I know mountain. who he is, yeah. yeah no he broke, like, that Viking record. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the actual actor yeah. is also, like, the strongest a man mountain, in the world. Yeah. yeah. So um, the mountain who rides... There have been a couple mountains, right, in the show... It's not the same actor the whole no, time. No, it's the same guy. Yeah. He's, it's been the same yeah. one the whole time. Yeah, so he's a really cool guy. Oh, yeah. wow. Good yeah, for they, him. They picked him up from the beginning. Um, so so Tyrion is desperately looking for someone to be his champion. And in the show, Oberyn, who is um, – he's from another kingdom. He is related to a family. This is getting really messy. He's His sister was killed by the mountain, essentially. Okay. 
So he's like, I have a vested interest. Like, I don't really care about yeah. you, but I want revenge on the mountain. Yeah. He comes to him, and there's an amazing scene where you're like, what's going to happen to Tyrion? What's going to happen? And he's thinking, and Oberyn's thinking about it, and he goes, I will be your champion. And then it's just like, he, Tyrion just starts crying, and the episode ends. It's beautiful. Spoilers. Spoilers, but it's beautiful. Um, but in this universe, we're in the same conversation. And uh, the announcers are, are talking. They say, look at that. Oberyn's a man on a mission right now. And I don't think anybody can stop him. And then the other announcer says two words. The mountain. So they're hyping up this big fight. All right. And he says, Tyrion, I will be your champion. And everyone's like, oh, here we go. Big fight's going down. And then Tyrion says, I'm afraid I must decline your offer. Okay. And Oberyn's taken aback. How, how could you rob me of this opportunity to get revenge? I'm, I'm motivated. I'm an amazing fighter. I can win for you. Why won't you let me? Um, are you are you gonna go with somebody else? Are you gonna you know get a mercenary? And Tyrion says, uh, never, definitely not. And there is not enough gold in the world otherwise to convince Bronn, the mercenary, to fight the mountain. I recently got an offer from someone that they had, from an offer from someone that said that they would gladly fight the mountain for me. And Oberyn's like, who is this mysterious person? Who is putting? Who's gonna walk into sheer death, luck, like wantingly, you know, yeah. willingly? So we cut to the day of the fight. Oberyn joined the others in the crowd as they waited the arrival of Tyrion's champion. He was still furious at his chance for vengeance slipping through his fingers so easily and vowed himself that he would just kill the mountain after the trial. He okay. would poison at the feast, whatever. So we have this. It's all set up. He's, you know, he's fuming a little bit. Everyone's waiting. The mountain um, is standing. I think it's Sandor. Sir Sandor Clegane is standing mm. in the middle waiting for this challenger. Um, and then... Out of the tunnel comes a man in a suit, and he walks to the middle of the ring, and he pulls out a microphone, <laughs> and he says, says, my client is a fighter and simply wants a fight. My client came here for the best fight he could have, and he's going to get it. He wants to fight the biggest, strongest, deadliest, and toughest man you have. He saw an opportunity, and he took it. You all spit upon him now, but will come to regret what you have done when this is over. And he calls out the Lannisters and says, You all have broken the eleventh commandment. Thou shalt not intentionally provoke the beast. He turned to where Tyrion stood to the side and waited for his champion. He said, Now, lords and ladies, please join me in welcoming my client, your champion of champions, the one in 23 and 1, the beast, the conqueror and soon-to-be mountain slayer. Takes a deep breath. Brock Lesnar! Yes. Oh my God. This is unbelievable. They think this can't be. This is going to be nice. Lesnar's music hit to dead silence as he emerged from seemingly nowhere and walks up the steps behind Tyrion. Tyrion looks on in bewilderment as the man strides past him without batting an eye, his gaze entirely centered on where Sir Gregor... Oh, yeah. Gregor Clegane, I'm sorry. Sandor Clegane is the hound. Gregor stood across the arena. Lesnar was smiling at the prospect of the fight. Many were taken aback by this. No one smiled at the prospect of fighting the mountain. No sane man and none insane had even thought of doing it. So we're getting ready. Um, let me make sure I've got this right because this is so, so good. Um, everyone's saying, what is this guy who's just wearing a Speedo challenging the mountain? This is insane. That's how confident he is. And Brock Lesnar never speaks. He's got Hey Man, his announcer, to, to speak for him. So he is just locked in. He's got That's that nice. death stare. That's a good touch. It is. Um, he didn't have a single piece of armor on him, and he looked like he was going to the beach instead of a fight. And then uh, Clegane says, or yeah, Clegane says he would make short work of him. Lesnar didn't say a word and simply raised his fist again as he settled his feet and looked at the mountain over his gloves. And then he says, um, 
Sir Gregor, you will come to know your own folly most of all soon enough. Your family might have sworn an oath of fealty to Tywin Lannister and his family, but your... He paused and seemed to bask in the attention. But your ass belongs to Brock Lesnar! <laughs> um, I will say... I feel like if there were no swords or armor involved, mm -hmm. that'd be a pretty interesting fight. Lesnar versus... Uh, Mountain. The Mountain. I still think Mountain would crush him. But I think Lesnar might have the technique on him, and he, that could put him over the edge. He does. Lesnar is a trained fighter. There's That's actually a I'm funny, fight, uh, funny video of um, uh, Conor McGregor kind of like fighting with the actor yeah. who plays the Mountain. Yeah. This would be a little more... McGregor's like, what, 5'6"? Yeah, he's, he's, he's lightweight, too, so he would... Uh, yeah. It was a bit of... Uh, a, a, a the mountain could probably throw him like 30 feet mm -hmm. oh i'm sorry 10 meters Ooh. for our uk listeners exactly. <laughs> gotta convert to magic for them um so the mountain charges at brock lesnar because of course and he swings his sword but brock lesnar never moved away from an opponent he simply ducks and his glove fist hammered into the mountain's chest piece in rapid succession oh. each one ringing out like a blacksmith hammering steel on an yes. anvil they thought that uh, Lesnar's gloves were armored, but it was just his fists. Um, so the massive man's, like, you know, swinging around, swinging around. Lesnar waited until the last second to move, so he sidesteps him. He turns his body to avoid the sword, but didn't stop there. He was quicker than the mountain and got behind him as he followed through with his attack. Lesnar somehow managed to wrap both his arms around the mountain's waist, and no one knew what was about to come next. Oh, no. Lesnar threw himself back and raised the mountain, yes. all of him, into the air. Now Lesnar spoke for the first time since entering the arena. He says, Suplex City, bitch. Yes. Oh my god, he just suplexed the mountain. <laughs> so he just suplexed him, which is in wrestling where you pick the guy up and you're both based in the same direction. You pick him up from behind, you just freaking lift him and boom, slam him. I feel like the person that wrote this went to their uh, aunt and uncle's house and they have like a six year old nephew. And the nephew's really into Game of Thrones and wrestling, yep. and they just like saw them playing with the toys, and they're like, yep. "I know what I'm they writing about." The suplex City, um, bitch. The mountain is just <laughs> the mountain is bewildered about what just happened to him, and then Lesnar kips back up to his feet. Do you know what that is? Uh -uh. A kip is like when you're lying prone, and then you kind of like bring your feet in, and you like use your core and your whole body to just like like Bruce Lee oh, okay, does it. Yeah, yeah. Breck, Lesnar kicks kips up. It just looks totally badass. I I'm gonna say. Have we seen him do that in real life? Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Okay, I'm sure he can do it. I feel like I haven't seen it, but I feel I'm sure like that's more of a uh, a skinny man game, skinny man's game. I think I think this Lesnar is is uh, is mythical. <laughs> now, this may not be the same Lesnar that we okay. have in our universe. Okay. Um, he takes his uh, the mountain takes his helmet off in fury and he just throws it at Lesnar. Lesnar like catches it, looks nice. at it, and then throws it away. It's like super cool. Just crunches it. Yep. Um, so now they they um, they they start charging each other. Uh, the mountain and Lesnar advanced slowly towards one another. The mountain more cautious than Lesnar in his approach, as Lesnar only smiled. The two clashed again with the mountain coming at Lesnar with a two-hand overhead strike that would open Lesnar up from his shoulder to his waist if it connected. Lesnar saw it coming and dodged the mountain's attempt and tried to scramble behind him for a repeat of their previous clash. The mountain wasn't going to let it happen twice, though. He used the flat of his sword to hit Lesnar across the flat of the back. He then would have buried the sword in his back had it been any other opponent, but he, he respected Lesnar too much. He thought this was all a trap, so he doesn't stab okay. him. Lesnar uh, winced from pain in his back and, more importantly, stumbled away from the mountain. The mountain pressed his advantage with an armored knee crashing into Lesnar's chest. The beast let out a curse, but didn't let the pain in his chest distract him from the fight he was in. So the mountain's kind of gaining some ground now. He saw his initial approach, mm -hmm. and he's, 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 he's beating him back. Um, suddenly, um, Lesnar just throws a bow 
and hits him. The mountain hits the ground. He flips around, and then the announcer says, By the seven, it's the Chimera Lock! The mountain needs to yield, or Lesnar will break his arm! I swear to the seven, he'll break his arm! So he's got him in, like, an arm bar. Chimera Lock, just looking sick. Um, And the mountain is fighting. He's never experienced this pain (laughs) before. And um, the mountain just, like, eventually gets up and just can continuously like falls down like slamming lesnar to the ground so lesnar's taking quite a beating here yeah um lesnar eventually just like lets him go with a yell um and much struggling he managed to get to his feet his other arm limp because lesnar broke it (laughs) so now they're facing each other and they say by the seven i have to admit that the strength of the mountain is truly incredible look at that right there that's why the mountain's not finished yet yes but lesnar's still got that chimera locked in he'll break his arm if he doesn't do anything about it um, so he continues, he continues. This camera, like, it lasts for a while. Yeah. He's got a strong vice grip on him. Um, eventually they separate. And then Lesnar charges him and starts throwing punches and then elbows. And he says, there was one elbow that stood out to everyone as they heard the mountain shout from the shot as his nose was broken and blood started to pour from it. Ooh. The sight of blood didn't make Lesnar stop or even slow down. It really seemed to make him only more eager. <laughs> At the pace he was going soon, his gloves, his black gloves and his fists would be turned completely red by the mountain's bloods. The mountain's blood. The mountain's attempts to shove him off were useless as well. Every time he shoved Lesnar off, the man came back before before he had time to sit up. He would be thrown back to the ground, and Lesnar would continue to assault as if nothing had happened. So he's ground and pound right now. Yeah. You're familiar with ground and pound? Of course. Yeah, he's just tearing into him. Um, so the mountain is completely dazed. This time Lesnar lets him sit up, and he didn't see Lesnar come up from behind him until he felt his arms around his midsection. Lesnar, Lesnar took the mountain to Suplex City for the second time yes. as the mountain was hoisted to his feet and Lesnar tossed him overhead. He wasn't stopped at one, though. Lesnar walked to where the mountain had landed and forced him to sit up before delivering another suplex. <laughs> another soon followed. The next one had the crowd counting along. This is a thing at Lesnar fights where they'll <laughs> count the number of suplexes. And it's just like all of them. Like each character has like a moment. It's like five, six, seven. <laughs> each of the voices match the other in volume. Nine. They called out in excitement seeing if Lesnar would go for ten the decade. Lesnar paused with a hand on the day's mountain shoulder. The only thing keeping him sitting up between Lesnar's legs. He looked to the crowd as if asking for permission to continue the onslaught. <laughs> the crowd responded with a massive roar of approval and even Tommen and Tommen is uh, Joffrey's younger brother, and he's really kind of like this um, softer, okay, more quiet-spoken yeah, guy. He's like standing up, just like give it to him, give it to him. He says, "Give him the suplex city." And then he um, he picks up the mountain and he looks over at Tyrion, and Tyrion, who's drinking a glass of wine, says, "Take that bitch to suplex city as many times as you like." <laughs> And they say, ten! And then the announcers go, by the seven, that was ten suplexes. He just suplexed the mountain ten times. He's unstoppable. Just wait until the mountain gets back up, and Lesnar will take him back down. Just stay down, mountain. Just stay You can't win. Down. There's too many suplexes. Yep. <laughs> so no one can believe. They're all hyped. Someone had absolutely manhandled the mountain and had suplexed him, not once, but ten times. <laughs> now decade. They're, they're chanting Lesnar, and they're chanting Suplex City. It says, look at that. Lesnar's got the crowd eating out of his hands. So good. The mountain is completely dazed. The mountain lunges for his head and Lesnar sidesteps. And before he knew what was happening, Lesnar had lifted the mountain onto his shoulders. He walked across the crowd to where the Lannisters sat. And he's strutting back and forth. And he's got his one hand free. He's hyping the crowd. He blows a kiss to Cersei. And she's like, her heart just breaks. And then we have, quote, 
Oh, uh, Tommen also yells, finish it. Finish him. Quote, the mountain seemed to know what was coming next as he began to struggle with renewed vigor. Still, Lesnar held his place in front of the Lannisters with Clegane upon his shoulders. Lesnar finally deemed that it had been long enough, and with a devastating finale, he delivered the F5 to the mountain. What? Are you familiar with the F5? I know that's the strongest tornado <laughs> rating. The F5 is uh, Brock Lesnar's signature finishing move where he has a guy hoisted on his shoulder and he like s- like does a little squat and throws the guy up into the air, spinning him slightly. And then the guy just face plants from like seven feet that in the air. That is awesome. So that's what he does to the mountain. <laughs> that's the F5. As soon as the mountain hit the ground, every sound died for a moment as if everyone was listening for the end. Lesnar didn't seem like he was out to kill the mountain, instead just wanted to beat him in front of everyone. He was going to pick the mountain back up for a repeat performance when he finally heard the words that would end it. I yield! Mother's mercy, I yield! He shouted into the ground, too ashamed to raise his face to admit his defeat. Just please stop! Mother's mercy, please stop! There was no single word to describe what exactly happened to the crowd when Lesnar roared in victory at what he had just done. <laughs> There you have it. Lesnar beat the mountain. Lesnar beat the mountain. That has to be one of the most brutal things I've ever seen. By the gods, I don't think I'll ever go a day where I don't think about what I just saw. (laughs) And um, they anoint him. They raise his arm up. And then uh, Tyrion comes out and says, I thank you profusely, Sir Lesnar. And you have my sincerest apologies for ever having doubted you and your monstrous abilities. I'm not sure what's the right word to describe what you just did. And then Jamie says... Jamie's his brother. Mm-hmm. He says to Lesnar, Jamie Lannister, talking to uh, Brock Lesnar, he says, You should consider yourself proud. Not many people can stump my baby brother. That is truly an accomplishment to have to one's name. I'll think about it, Lesnar said as he turned back to look at the prone mountain. Mountain Crusher sounds better, though. And that's the end of the chapter. That was stellar. That was good. Just freaking took him to Suplex City. All right, let's get to the. I need, the, I need to know the third one. What's the third one? <laughs> okay. Chapter three, um, so another part from season one, it kind of was alluded to earlier, mm-hmm. is when Ned is in the yeah. the throne room, and he's trying to show that Joffrey is not the rightful heir. Yeah. And um, they surround him, all the guards surround him. And in the show, Littlefinger double-crosses him and mm-hmm. turns his guards on him as well, and he gets captured and he gets his head cut off. But um, Spoilers. Spoilers. But in this one, uh, Peter Baelish... Littlefinger's not there. So instead, there's just a bit of a standoff here. Okay, can I guess who I think it's going to be? The wrestler? Is this a new wrestler? Yeah. If you can pantomime it to me, I'll tell you if you're right. I don't want to spoil it. I don't, to... I don't want to spoil it for the, for the listener. So the other, the other, <laughs> the other character, um, Sir Barristan, he's like the head of the, the King's Guard. He's like this old like, warrior dude. He's also yeah. in here. So he's looking back and forth. He has to choose between um, Ned Stark and the King because he likes Stark as a guy, but he's honor-bound to the King. Yeah. Everybody's looking at the throne. Joffrey says, I am the king. Joffrey would have shouted. He would have shouted this. Had something electrifying not gotten his and everyone else's attention. Oh, God. And then these omniscient words enter the room. Can you smell? Everyone is silent at the sound of these words coming from seemingly nowhere. Then they heard the beat of a drum. What the rock? is cooking yes the f- it doesn't matter if you're the king <laughs> the throne room the throne room doors are blown open by an unknown force and in walked a man who brought every eye in attendance to him the soldiers the court the lords the, everybody just turns and looks at this man 
Every eye had to be on him or it was like something was wrong. Like he would miss something life-changing because he looked away for a second. Many were afraid to blink, afraid that such an act would be disrespectful to this new person. This person, if you could even be called that, <laughs> was simply too great. By the seven, it's the rock! It's the rock! So the announcers are back. Um, the Rock had not simply stood there while they admired him, though. He's strutting into the throne room, oh, passing yeah. by the doors that had opened just for him. His head moving. You know how his like, head moves? Mm-hmm. He's doing that thing. He's yeah. like, looking all the way around the room. Um, and then Joffrey is like immediately like sunken into the Iron, iron Throne, and he's squirming. His kingly robes looked like peasants' rags next to The Rock's sweatshirt and t- uh, sweatpants and T-shirt. <laughs> Joffrey prayed to the seven that the man would avert his gaze from him quickly. The man smirked, and apparently satisfied at what he saw of the throne room itself, he turned his gaze to the occupants. Then he began taking steps towards them. He would walk towards one side for a few steps before abruptly turning and head towards the other side. So he was doing the classic, just mm-hmm. got in the ring, yeah. going back and forth. Kind of sizing it up. Yep. Gasps of surprise would accompany his footsteps as he drew closer as the lord and ladies thought he was walking towards them. And they busied themselves fixing whatever they thought was wrong with their appearance. They fixed their hair when they fold. <laughs> there would be depressed sighs that would arise when the rock turned around before reaching them. So they all just like immediately are drawn in by the magnetic personality of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Well, he does. He does. Absolutely. Have and then he brings, he goes, reaches in his back pocket and just brings out a microphone and he pushes up his aviator glasses and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the most electrifying man in all of Westeros, the rock. And he's just soaking in the moment. And then Cersei cuts in. What is the me? He says, excuse me, but the rock is talking and the rock does not repeat himself. He was walking slowly back and forth, both sides as he approached the throne, the mic still in his hand. And he's got that finger pointed at Cersei. This is such an interesting concept because it's like the the um, personalities of Game of Thrones being like so big and like, no, you must look at me. Mm-hmm. And then just the wrestling just like comes in or mix it up. Exactly. This is nice. He says, now the rock knows he was interrupting something, but he can't help think, but he can't help but think that this is all for the better. He pauses and everyone's just soaking and absorbed in what he's saying. You see the rock was doing what the rock does, but then the rock's here all yelling and the rock just has to come and see what's going on. And then Cersei begins to talk again. He says, shut your damn mouth. (laughs) And any response Cersei had died right then and there. And he says, wait, wait, maybe the rock was a bit hard. Go ahead. Go ahead and tell me your name, sweetheart. (laughs) She says, I am Cersei of House Lannister. But before she could even say the words, I am. It doesn't matter what your name is. He takes several steps before her. He like runs up to her and then she like falls back because his personality is just so big. Um, and then Ned's like, what are you doing here? And he says, uh, uh, I just heard all this commotion. And he comes in the room. And then Ned's saying, that doesn't make any sense that, that, you, that, you, that you heard all this. And he says, now the Rock has made it very clear. And he won't tolerate any interruptions. Now the Rock knows that to be the most electrifying man in the Seven Kingdoms, he needs to sit in that chair right there. He points. And then Joffrey just like on the inside just like melts. He's like, oh my God, this guy's coming for me. You're going to die, dude. The Rock thinks everyone knows what's going to happen now. He lowers the mic from his lips and just like. Locks eyes with the throne. Joffrey long since forgotten. He's just looking at the throne. He's looking through Joffrey. Joffrey doesn't matter. And they say, he just laid a claim. The Rock laid a claim to the throne. And then uh, the Barristan steps in. This is a royal rumble right now. royal rumble. Um, The uh, Barristan says, Sir Rock. (laughs) 
<laughs> and he's like, you know, you can't just claim the throne. You got to be part of the part of blood or whatever. It has to be. And even Ned's like, you know, that's also fair. I want someone who's yeah. has a, a divine right to the throne. And he says, now we all know that the Rock, the Brahma Bull, the People's Champion, and the most electrifying man in the Seven Kingdoms is going to make himself clear. He's sitting on that throne, and there's not a damn thing any of your candy asses can do to stop it. <laughs> he throws down the mic, takes the sunglasses off, and like hangs them on his shirt. Mm-hmm. This is a classic move. And then he looks at Joffrey, and he says... Now, how about you bring your candy ass down those steps and let the rock claim his seat? And as Jeff, Joffrey's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> he gets up and he's about to run down. But Cersei stops him and they're just saying, who is this guy? Like, what do you, you can't just be doing this. And he says, it looks like the Brahma bull has some candy asses to work. <laughs> the rock didn't waste any more time and found the nearest Lannister guard and started laying into him with sick lefts and rights. The Brahma's <laughs> bull's strikes being too much for the soldier to take, sending him to the floor after only a few. The second charged him with a spear and the rock waited for him to get just so close before sidestepping the spear grabbing the charging guard and then putting him in a spine buster and just sent him to the floor which is awesome nice um he gets up and he clotheslines another guard there's like there's like 50 or 60 yeah. guys coming at the rock and rock right handles now. him of course he is man does not break him. a sweat i'm at, sure absolutely. rocks don't sweat so. <laughs> He's laying them out, and then um, so there's just too many of them. They start dogpiling him. Punches and kicks are coming from everywhere. Cersei yells out, um, whoever cuts his head off, 100,000 gold dragons and a keep of your own. So now everybody, like even people are just rushing mm-hmm. in. They're just trying. They've forgotten his magnetism. Their greed is taking over. Um, <laughs> Their greed is taking except over. Except for Stark's men. Stark's men are like, you know, we got to help out the rock. Yeah. So they start pulling people off. They get him just enough daylight. And by, while they're doing this, they're chanting King Rock, King Rock. They get just enough people um, out of his way that he's able to get up. So he gets up and he takes out a couple more guys. But now the hound, the other Clegane, Sandor Clegane, is rushing in. Cersei says, get in there. And then, quote, the hound made some noise of assent and drew his blade. He was supposed to protect the boy king, but he looked like he was pissing himself right now behind the Iron Throne. And the queen's offer was enough for him to quit and move someplace where he could drink himself stupid. He charged down the steps and into the fray. His target was the one who had started all of this and the one with the bounty on his head. One good swing and he would be done with the boy king and all his tantrums. His back was turned to him and he was dealing with several soldiers. He could almost taste the wine and all the chicken. Which is a joke about how the, the hound eats chicken like ferociously in one episode. Whatever. Okay, he comes That's, to the rock. That was really smart for them to put that in there. Then they're really they really, know the material. They know they know both materials. Yeah, really well. very well. <laughs> he came at the rock with all his strength and had in the swing, trying to cut his head off once and for all. Um, and then Ned Stark dives in at the last second and he throws his cane up. I thought they were going to behead him, but he, yeah. he throws his cane up and like knocks his sword away. So it's like Ned, like he's now he's now for the Come rock. Come on, he Ned. comes out of nowhere. <laughs> He puts your head on a stake, dude. Spoilers. <laughs> um, no, he's protecting the rock. He's protecting the rock oh, from the hound. Oh, okay, the hound okay, is okay. sneaking up to the rock about to cut his head off, and he um, he knocks him down. Um, the Good rock then. noticed all the noise and turned around to look at him, an eyebrow raised at the flailing form. I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. All right. <laughs> what? You good? The no, eyebrow? Good? Like, yep. that, that's, that's his thing. That's I know. His... <laughs> Sandor snarls and dives at him. The rock dodged the powerful blow, his head coming below Clegane's outstretched arm and his his arm stopping mm-hmm. him dead in his tracks. And the announcer goes, no, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. I think we're going to see it. No, we're not. I think we are. The rock hit 
the rock bottom. That's his finisher. The throne room. No, the entirety of the Red Keep shook at the impact. All the combatants and yes. watchers of the fight fell to the ground as Clegane's body hit the floor. Rock bottom! Rock bottom! That's so good. Clegane was out of the fight. Um, next, another guy comes in, um, Illin Payne. He's the, ex- he's the executioner. He comes in. He's trying to take him out. Um, he's trying to get to him. The Rock just clotheslines him. He picks him up. Rock bottom. And then everyone just, <laughs> everyone's just going insane right now. It's freaking insane. So he just like clears out this entire room, and he walks up to the throne, and then Cersei's there, and she's like, I don't, I'm the queen. I don't take orders from anybody. I'm not moving. And he says, the Rock doesn't give a damn what you are, and you need to move your ass, however queenly it may be, and let the Rock have the Rock's throne. And then Cersei says, well, the queen doesn't give a damn what you want, she shouted. The queen will rule the seven kingdoms. That's a very Cersei qu- thing to do. Yes, and the queen will let someone will not let someone like you or Eddard Stark stop her. She was mad. The woman was simply mad. She was mocking the rock. Oh, no. So she's referring to herself as the queen, much as the yeah. rock refers himself. In the third person. Yes. He says, oh, lady, you don't want to make the rock mad, so just stop and move aside. Anger leaking into his voice for the first time that any of them had seen. Many were getting the same feeling that a bad storm was about to come as a clash between Cersei and the most electrifying man in the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> Joffrey's like, please, Mom, just let him go. <laughs> and then as Joffrey's pleading, she puts up a finger and says, the queen is talking. Shut your damn mouth. Very Cersei thing to do. Her eyes narrowed as she stared down the rock. The queen has something to deal with and will see such an imposter king dealt with. And the rock says, oh, the rock is giving you one final warning. And then she says, and the queen has stopped giving warnings. So Cersei is really this is leaning. some good dialogue. She's leaning into the, the WrestleMania yeah. spirit of the whole thing. Um, the Rock pauses. It was simply inconceivable that someone would dare to stand against the Rock. The Iron Throne is, was, and always will be his. It was as <laughs> simple as breathing. No one should question it or try to challenge it. It was like trying to go against the will of the planet, as foolish as trying to fight gravity. It simply did not make sense to him. No. Sir Barristan says, what's happening? And then Ned says, something legendary, I believe, Sir Barrister. Yes. The speech, he's talking, it's like, you know, they mention, reference this speech that Robert the King used to incite the rebellion. And he says, the moment that they were in right now made that, Seemed like nothing. It paled that's, in comparison <laughs> to this so good. And then the rock, the announcer said, the, uh, the rock finally knows his role and is shutting his mouth. The rock smiles, and Cersei's face gained a look of confusion. And what exactly is it that you are smiling about? Cersei's voice gained an edge. It's funny. The rock just realized something. The rock let out a laugh. And what is that? That you're right. Cersei froze as the rock moved past her and sat in the throne like everyone else was unable to comprehend what the rock had just said. She says, what? He said, but the rock is the king. The rock settled himself into the throne and looked around at his throne room. Now the first order of business, changing this place to the rock's goddamn liking. And then that's it. She becomes his queen. (laughs) And the rock (laughs) and Cersei rule Westeros. I dig it. And that's it. They say, what the hell is going on? What the hell just happened? The rock just happened. And that's the end of the whole thing. I love the idea of an omnipotent rock. <laughs> so that's the end of it. That's chapter three, the most electrifying man in the seven kingdoms. That was stellar. Yeah. 
I, I I have a um, a rock meme slash joke that I think is hilarious. Yeah. Hey, Dwayne, why do they call you the Rock? Runs full speed and skips seven times across a pond. <laughs> I don't know. I just I I think about that often. That's good. That's a good one. That was stellar. Yeah. That was so good. I had all of these South Park, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Game of Thrones references yep. queued up in my head. Uh huh. Totally forgot, totally forgot him. The moment you mentioned the Hulk. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan came in, Hulk's washed those right out of oh, my yeah. brain. I'm so happy I found this. Uh, so this was on um, uh, fanfiction.net. It's called Westeros Mania, and it is written by I Read Too Much Manga 99. The, the the description is random wrestling superstars show up in Game of Thrones. That's it. First up, a specific form of mania helps out when looking at this. Yeah, I loved it. It's fantastic. That was great. I, great. Uh, that really goes back to like National Treasure Three. It was fun. Mm-hmm. That was just fun. It, it was, was entertaining. I got. I watched so many wrestling videos. Really prepared for this. Like <laughs> I got so. I watched all these Lesnar fights. I watched all these Rock like you know promos. Yeah, it's great. It's all great stuff. That's stellar. Putting these things together, you know. Hey, Mister Martin. Did, did you think of this? Yeah, I bet you wouldn't have. But they fit so perfectly, yeah. as is seen with The Rock and Cersei. They, they, they're the same, you know? They I mean, found... what's the difference between The Rock and The Mountain? You're still giving them the names. It's true. They're both Earth-related. That's true. The Hound. The Hound. Everything. Maybe you stole The Mountain from The Rock, George. Oh. Did you ever think about that? Oh. The right. Rock doesn't like that. Every, I mean, what everything in this life is just... The Rock fan fiction. It is. Everything is. Basically. It revolves around him. Yes. The, um, what really excites me is, uh, first of all, go leave a review for this person. They're a genius. Um, but I would really, and I think it's almost required for everyone who's listening right now, I need you to go out. I need you to either request that the author write it or you can write it yourself, a chapter four with John Cena. I would posit chapters four and five. There needs to be a Macho Man chapter. <laughs> macho man, yeah. There needs to be. You guys don't understand. He is the cream. You ever seen that video? No. Oh, I will show it to okay, you. I'll check it out after this. Oh wow, That's... John Cena. Could you imagine like John Cena? And then he just comes out and like choke slams yep. someone. Like, yep. There needs to be RKOs. And then everyone's yeah. like, I can't even see him. Where is he? I can't see him. Like, he has some sort of invisibility <laughs> power. Yeah. And he's just sitting there, just waving his, his yep. hand in front of his eyes. Um, I would think that's great. I really think you can do anything with this. I think the 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 universe of creativity has been opened by oh, this yeah. author. It's fan. It's the, great. the Undertaker joins in with the White Walkers. Mm-hmm. I have, it writes itself, people. I um, my one my one criticism, and I can't criticize it because it is. It, no. I'm trying to change the story. Is that I would like to see The Rock perform Rock Bottom on Joffrey. That's just a personal thing. Yeah, that would be cool. But then he would die. Yeah. And um, the second chapter with um, with Brock Lesnar wouldn't happen. Yeah. It, it, which needs to happen. That yeah. needs to happen. Um, that's the only. Well, thing. technically speaking, the throne's been The Rock's. All time, before, after, and present. That's so, what he's saying, yeah. I don't know. I just think this this author is, a, is words things in a really good way, has a really strong like grasp of yeah. like description, and, and it's... I have no real criticism for this. Yeah, I thought it was great. It's a good time. Yeah, it was fun. It's, entertaining. It's like wrestling. Yeah. It's a rollicking yeah, good time. Exactly. Wow, that was good. Yeah. Yeah, and that's very uh, appropriate with the... You know, release of season eight soon. Mm, yeah. Timely. Look at that. It's timely. It's almost like we uh, planned it, which we didn't. No. Nope. No. 
Not at all. Just backing into this thing called life. Yeah. Hopefully getting lucky. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Either way, I normally have fun. So <laughs> that's all you can ask for, really. Anything else? Uh, no, that's all I got, all you little yeah. uh, Hulk maniacs out there. Yeah. Hope you have a good one. Hope yeah. you uh, let the spirit of the rock guide you today. Please remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Uh, we are on Spotify, Pocket Cast, iTunes. I guess it's technically Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. I keep saying iTunes, mm-hmm. but I don't have an Apple, so mm-hmm. I'm an Android sort of guy. Oh, that's, that's a whole nother episode. Listen to us any way you normally do. Uh, if you feel so inclined, please leave a review. Mm-hmm. And Tell your friends who like wrestling, come and listen to this episode. To, I'm doing all the rhymes. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, listen to this episode. We really hope you guys enjoyed it. It was fun. Had a good time. Yeah, and don't forget the Patreon. Yep. No. Sounds good. Yeah. Remember to get your candy ass out of the rock's way. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And watch your language, brother. brother. <laughs>